You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium Games, Star Citizen, and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode nine of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solus. And I feel like uh, it's a little lonely <laughs> on this show having uh, Paul, the astro historian, on the entire episode in episode eight. So I'm, a, <laughs> I'm missing him. I'm missing you, Paul. Hope this finds you well, sir, uh, whenever you end up watching this. <laughs> uh, quick shout out to Jacob over in chat. Hey, it's good to see you, brother. Um, look forward to today's discussion. So let's get into the agenda. We're going to move hot and heavy today. Uh, I will keep us below an hour, uh, unlike last episode where we went, uh, you know, an hour and a half. Uh, I'm going to try my best to keep us in 58 minutes. So here we go. In today's episode, we're going to go over this week in Star Citizen. We're going to cover the Tuesday launch of the 319 patch. There's a lot to celebrate. There's a lot of good coming out of this patch. So we'll unpack that uh, and talk a little bit about the uh, experiences uh, since Tuesday, which so far seem extremely positive. Then we'll discuss Wednesday's roadmap roundup. Not a whole lot uh, of groundbreaking, earth-shattering news to go over, uh, but we will cover what was released. Uh, and then this morning, they did launch the uh, Invictus Invictus launch week um, schedule. So the official, like which ships are going to be available to us to fly per day, per time. And we will even get into the stock limited ships. So when to expect, you know, the Idris and the Kraken and the Phoenix. So we'll go through a little bit of the FAQs that came out with that as well. Um, the last thing we'll talk about is the Inside Star Citizens Get Furious video that also came out earlier today, which was all things uh, the Mirai Fury. So we'll go through that, some impressions, and we will wrap up the show with our Lord Deep Dive, which today will take us through the 29th century or the 2800s, um, ending with the capstone event of Project Archangel. So if you're familiar with like synth world and the whole century of lore that belongs, you know, to that experience. So we will get into that at the very end of our show. Again, if you're watching on YouTube on the replay, uh, even if you are listening to us on podcast in the description, we will have timelines where you can skip ahead to the part that means most to you. So feel free. You're not hurting my feelings. We are here to provide information and entertainment to you as a listener and to a viewer. I mentioned episode eight. We had Paul from the Astro Historian on last week, just quickly covering what we discussed in episode eight. That was our main uh, Invictus lore deep dive. Had a lot of fun. It was an hour and a half. We dove into a lot of topics uh, and got a lot of Paul's takes um, in his 
experience is like six plus years of experience doing lore is 10 plus years of experience being a backer it was a very very awesome conversation i would love to have paul back at some point um but we did cover invictus we did did the uh the misc prospector lore drop we covered the monthly report from squadron 42 we talked about the diverse settlements uh that were being launched and that will launch in the next couple of patches we talked about 320 a little bit and then we went through the new player experience um, and then we discussed like the the racing that was going to happen on saturday now i personally did not partake in the racing on saturday um my son and daughter are both in taekwondo and so uh, we had a tournament and we were engaged in um uh, in family affairs on Saturday. So if you participated in the race, I hope it went well for you. Um, I was not gaming as a good father uh, should be. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, let's go ahead and get into this. I, I, I'm ready to go. So let's get into this. This week in Star Citizen, straight to the news. Uh, and as always, I will um, present the screen share for you if you're on YouTube. Again, if you're listening on podcast, feel free to also uh, shoot on over to YouTube so you can see straight from the horse's mouth uh, the information that we are covering. So Monday, this week in Star Citizen, this came out on May 15th. Um, just quickly, happy Monday, everyone. Hoist the flags, polish the trumpets, and prepare to salute the fleet as we march toward Invictus Launch Week 2953. From Friday, May 19th through May 30th, which is really the 28th, but you have two days of like all ships being free to fly, the Bevet Convention Center on Ock Corp throws open its doors to welcome new and veteran pilots in celebration of the UEE Navy. Don't forget to plan your visit accordingly to ensure you get to test fly the best military-derived ships as we're hosting a special free fly during the entire duration of the event. If you have friends, this is the best event. Like, even over IAE, in my opinion, this is the best event to get them involved. Yes, it's free fly. Yes, they can see all the combat ships that that is available of course but i think for me it's it's the fanfare it's the fireworks it's touring the javelin it's seeing the bingle carrier fly over it's it's the grandiose or the scope of star citizen and what it has to offer now if you've been listening for the last eight episodes you know that this is what stagged me like this this event is what drew my attention and got me into the game so yes i'm biased but I think now is the best time, especially with 319 being so smooth, I think now is the best time to, to get your friends and your family. Um, and even if you're a veteran player thinking, is now the right time to get back into it? Yes, the answer is yes. Back to the post. For those of you who can't wait to dive into the electric atmosphere of Invictus Launch Week, Alpha 319 is already in the PTU and open to all backers, pause. This was released on Monday. 319 was launched on Tuesday to the PU, the Persistent Universe. So everybody's experiencing 319 right now. Unpause. <laughs> if you're lucky, you just might catch an early glimpse of the Navy going through its drills. And then the Bar Citizen World Tour is happening uh, in Belgium. So I've got a couple listeners from Belgium. Go check it out if you're close. Uh, the Bar Citizen World Tour or the Bar Citizen events are always a lot of fun try to be a part of it 
what's going on in this week? I'm just going to scroll down. So on Wednesday, like I said, roadmap uh, update with the roadmap roundup. You got the Thursday manufacturer free fly schedule, make this FAQ and inside star citizen links. And then upcoming, so tomorrow and Saturday, Friday, we have obviously the start of Invictus launch week. We have the weekly newsletter, which will cover in episode 10, because those are always good nuggets, right? They always drop really good information there. And like I said, Bar Citizen World Tour uh, in Belgium. So I guess now's a really good time to talk about like that newsletter. So Invictus launch week is, is known for dropping these like major gold nuggets of you know hey there's a brand new ship that is a surprise to everybody and yes they went ahead and talked about the mirai fury the mirai fury mx which we'll talk about in a little bit a couple minutes but i'm curious if there's something else and i don't want to put on my like tinfoil hat to quote paul i don't want to like necessarily surmise but uh, we might be in for something. I don't know. Like, I feel like the Kraken being in, you know, development for six years, the Bonnie Merchantman being in development for, I think, eight years at this point, we've got to be close to something big. I don't know. I have no data to support that. I just, I'm starting to see things move. Paul from the Astro Historian did post something about seeing uh, Squadron 42 numbers of employees uh, become on payroll. And there's a lot of change and movement to Squadron 42. So maybe, maybe we are close to something happening. Again, completely, completely guessing at this point. But as we go into the rest of this week, let's talk about 319. So my first impressions uh, of 319 is, I mean, knock on wood, it's been flawless. I've been able to log in. The new start screen is completely different. It actually shows uh, Lorville I mean, to celebrate the new cityscape, of, of course, I'm sure. Um, but it's a brand new cityscape or a background for the launch screen. Uh, when you go in, it asks you about um, if you want to be uh, part of the new player experience. You can opt out of it if you've been a longtime gamer like myself. Um, there's new UI interface uh, tips and tricks. So you'll have a whole new window on your right that'll kind of walk you through what your available tools are or what your uh, available controls are. And beyond all of that, the server has actually been very, um, it's been very good. It's been very well, it's been consistent. And I say all of that knowing that right now, this very second, there are issues. <laughs> um, I had this like grand plan of doing something different for y'all, especially for y'all on, on YouTube watching. I was actually gonna get in game and walk the platform of Invictus. And I was gonna show y'all the lore tablets that are you know, on the wall. I was gonna do all the things and kind of start the show differently. Um, but yes, the game's on fire <laughs> at this current moment. Um, so we'll see how long this lasts. Again, since Tuesday up to today, it's been very good. It's been very, um, it's been easy and smooth to play on. So we'll see if we can get back to that, hopefully, hopefully soon. So with that, let's get into the Tuesday's uh, launch of 319 specific. So share my screen. This is the article or the announcement that brought up uh, the call to adventure now available. 
So again, all these links are available in uh, the YouTube notes and in the podcast notes. So feel free to click on that and look at this yourself. Uh, But this was the announcement that came out from Synthwave CIG. Uh, Just quoting it. Hello there. We're happy to announce that Star Citizen Alpha 319 Call to Adventure is now available to all backers. This patch introduces salvage contracts and a new PVP mission at Ghost Hollow, uh, enhanced tractor beam functionality, updates to the new player experience, and industrial class rework of Lorville's iconic skyline. You've compiled a, a useful list of relevant links to help you navigate this major update and all the new features. Now, I'm not going to go through each one of these links. A lot of this you'll recall from the last previous episodes. So we're not going to go through the PVP Ghost Hollow. We're not going to go through salvage contracts. Just know it's all live. It's all live. Um, What I will say is uh, the roadmap roundup that launched about 319 or like what's what's happening right now. It was very um, underwhelming. And I don't mean that in a negative critique um, of of Star Citizen or CIG. They can't they can't always have this this massive um, launch or this announcement, right? Like I I, I want to be very realistic here. Since three eighteen, we've had a lot of phenomenal updates. We've had a lot of great movement. We've seen persistent entity streaming. Um, we, we're getting closer to server meshing. We've seen uh, changes to loops and different physics mechanisms. So, like, it's okay that we have a roadmap roundup that is kind of basic. And so, without further ado, straight into the roadmap roundup. Um, there's again not a lot to discuss. So, <laughs> um, there's there's vehicle content uh, with this publishing or with this publish. We're adding a new team to the progress tracker that you may have seen mentioned in recent monthly reports, vehicle content or MTL, uh, or MTL VC for short. This team is based in Montreal and much like the other two vehicle content teams is comprised of artists and designers and they'll be working on bringing the vehicles of Star Citizen to life. Additionally, and this is what I think is kind of um, cool, with our next publish, we'll be starting to add the Q4 2023 schedule and its deliverables for upstream teams. So if you're a backer, you're interested in Star Citizen, you've watched one or two YouTube videos, you know that that is a bone of contention. You know that ships being launched and you know there's 160 some odd ships uh, in the game, 40 or 50 of which are in concept. Uh, I don't know the numbers specifically, but you got the Kraken Idris, you have all these massive vehicles, Bonnie Munch, Bonnie Merchant Man, you have all these massive vehicles that people are waiting on. Well, this should be music to your ears. This should be motivation or encouraging that they're bringing on more individuals to work on these vehicle content teams. Um, The Q4 2023 schedule is interesting to me because this is the first we've heard of Q4. So 320 is scheduled for Q3. So we have some visibility on what is happening kind of before September, but we don't have a lot of visibility on what's October through December. So I think it'll be interesting to see this next publication on where we are headed in Star Citizen 4 Q4. So exciting there. Um, the Selfishly, this is entirely selfish, but what I got out of this roadmap roundup, since I am a proud owner of a Constellation Phoenix Emerald, 
um, is this RSI links. So we know that 319 was supposed to launch with the RSI links. They're still committed. It's still scheduled to come out like very soon, but they purposefully waited until RSI's designated day in Invictus launch week. So if you're jumping in today, uh, Thursday, if you're jumping in on Thursday and you're wanting to test drive the RSI links, don't be disappointed. You heard it here first. It'll be postponed <laughs> until the RSI launch. And then at that point, test drive it, go take it out. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ship uh, or ground vehicle. Can't wait for it. And that is it for the roadmap roundup. Like I said, we're going to go pretty quick through most of these notes. I had planned to be in game and show y'all <laughs> the Invictus platform. So it is what it is. Earlier today, uh, they did release the Invictus launch week schedule. So th this is the official schedule. Let me go back to sharing my screen. This is the official schedule that talks about the actual ships and which days to expect them. And then I also have, I'm pretty sure I have it open. Yes, I have the FAQ section that will go through just to answer any potential questions that my podcast listeners might have. So here we go. Invictus Launch Week 2953, the actual schedule. Uh, it's a little bit of a paragraph or a section, the history of of where Invictus Launch Week came, you know, came from, comes from. You should already know as a patron of Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen Podcast. Um, but again, just a reminder that you're going to be able to tour the Aegis Javelin. Again, I'm pulling out like highlights that I get from reading these these sections or these paragraphs. The uh, the Aegis, I'm going to say Aegis. I think some people say Aegis. It's Aegis. <laughs> uh, it is tourable. And so you'll see in the FAQ section um, that it's the orbital spaceports that the Javelin will be stationed at, and it'll rotate. Now, here's the sexy part about Star Citizen. If you're curious where the Javelin is at that current moment when you're logged into the game, read the signage wherever you are. And I, I love that about Star Citizen. There's actual signage on the walls, on A-frames, on these displays that you can say, or you can go and read that the Javelin is currently at um, Orison, or Olasar, excuse me, or it's at Beijing, right? Eros Harbor, right? So it's very cool that, that most of this information, actually all of this information is in-game. You actually don't need to read any of this online to know where to go and what to do. That's, again, one of the coolest things I about Invictus is logging into the game and seeing the entire world change. Like Area 18 is completely redone on the inside with that signage and the banners and directional signage or airport signage, whatever you want to call it. That is so fun to me. It's so fun. And again, that was my first experience last year. I'm I'm biased. I accept that. Let's go through the dates. So on May 19th through May 20th, that is Friday and Saturday. Um, you can expect Mirai. You can expect, this says Musashi Industrial and Starflight Concern. That is MISC, M-I-S-C, and Crusader. So you'll be able to test drive the Fury, the Fury MX, which that Fury MX is 
gorgeous. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous ship. Um, quickly, the Fury is like a, it's like a ball. It's like a cockpit um, of, of like a, just like a round clear ball, great visibility. But you've got so much firepower and weaponry around this ball. Um, it's gonna be an interesting ship to fly, especially in combat. You're gonna be able to be, see everything. And again, the cannons are right by the cockpit. So I, I can't even imagine what that's gonna look like in the middle of a, of a massive dogfight. Can't wait for it. But the MX is really, really, really cool. You can really see the Xi'an technology uh, come to come to light. Because what it is, it's a blast shield. So instead of this round, clear ball of a cockpit, in the front of this round ball is a blast shield that has several little cameras. And so, you know, you close the cockpit and that blast shield's gonna cover and block all your visibility, but you'll see like a load screen, like, like almost like a, um, like one of the alien ships that kind of like flickers and then it turns on. It's the same concept. You're gonna see this load screen of Misk or Mirai and a lot of data points almost looks like a blue screen of death, if you will. But then it like, it clears up and you can see just as if there wasn't a blast shield in front of you. It's a very, very awesome concept, very great animation. The wings will fold in and fold out so it can compact um, into a very tight spot. You can put like three onto a Carrick. It's a very, 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 very cool ship. Moving on. A reminder that these ships are also military. This is a military event. So it's the, uh, the vendors military versions of their ships. So you'll see the Freelancer, but just the MIS. You'll see the Razor EX, the Reliant Tana, which we talked about it last episode. Don't get me started about Reliant. Not a fan, never will be. I just, I can't come to grips <laughs> with that with that vehicle. Uh, the Starfarer Gemini, which is, which is a phenomenal vehicle. It's the refueler. Um, it's massive, it's huge. Down to Crusader, you got the Ares, Ion, and Inferno, the Mercury, the A2 Hercules, C2, and M2 Hercules. Those are amazing ships, by the way, the, the Crusader, uh, the Hercules. So the A2 is this massive bomber. First off, I love the color scheme. It's black and red, so its base is black with red highlights. But it is a very, very, very powerful bomber. Um, however, trick of the trade, all of its firepower is below it. So all of the weapon systems, the defense mechanisms that it has, it's all under the belly of the A2. So spoiler alert or strategy, if you are being attacked by an A2, just fly above it. There's no way it can defend itself from above. So take it out from the top, but it's a beautiful, beautiful ship. It's amazing. It's great during jump town. Um, you can just wipe out the entire playing area if you wanted to. The C2, again, it's the same frame, right? It's the same Hercules frame. But the C2 is this massive cargo uh, ship that I have used since the beginning. I have flown that and done all of my cargo runs using that one ship. And especially now that you can control your cargo and move um, you know, the boxes around in the garage, it, it's actually a fun loop as well. So I personally love the C2. I actually might go back and get it. Um, yeah, let me pause real quick and talk about that. 
I have gone so many directions with my fleet, and I'm sure this is going to resonate with a few of you viewers and listeners. I'm sure this is going to resonate. I have melted and repurchased and, uh, you know, the buyback tokens. I, I have done it probably, I don't know, a hundred different times just in this last year. So I've had the C2 like three different times. Uh, in this current moment, I don't. So during IAE, I invested in the Origin Pack just because it got me the 890 jump with lifetime insurance. And I am a huge fan of Origin, all their ships. So it just made sense to me. It's 19 ships, and all 19 ships have lifetime insurance. So if I wanted to upgrade maybe one or two of the Origin ships I don't like, it already has lifetime insurance. So no matter what I upgraded them to, the lifetime insurance would carry over. So I thought it was very strategic, right? That with the Fortuna package that came out during uh, St. Patrick's Day. So back in March, um, I ended up buying one of those packages because I'm a huge fan of the Phoenix. And that's the only way to get the Phoenix Emerald. So I purchased that. Now the problem, <laughs> there is a problem with that. I now have two 400 eyes and I have two 600 eyes. So during this event, that's kind of where I'm going with this is I'm going to probably upgrade one of those to the C2. Um, I'm going to update one of the 600 eyes to the Carrick because again, the Carrick to this day is probably my favorite vehicle, even though most of the loops aren't live for that ship yet. Uh, but I'll probably end up getting the Carrick and I will get the C2 more than likely. Last, I'm totally going for the Drake Kraken. <sighs> I'm not going to tell my family that, but I'm going to go for the Drake Kraken. All right, I totally digress. Let's get into uh, the next day, May 21st through May 22nd. Aegis Dynamics. Just quickly, all the Avengers. Eclipse, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, stealth vehicle. Has size 9 torpedoes. I will always have an Eclipse. Uh, so the Eclipse, the Gladius, Gladius Valiant. The Hammerhead. The Redeemer, Retaliator, Bomber, Saber, the Saber Comet, which I just would—I just want that paint package. It's like a black and gray camo with blue highlights. The Saber Comet is a beautiful ship, and then all the Vanguards. Quickly, May 23rd through 24th, Anvil Aerospace, the Aero Ballista C8R, which is interesting because that's a—that's a medical ship. It's not necessarily military, but it's a medical ship. So that that's interesting. The C8X Pisces, the Carrick Centurion, all the F7Cs, which by the way, go steal yourself an F8. Go look at like Ruben Soros or one of those content creators uh, around this time. They're going to teach you. They're going to show you how to steal an F8 and fly around the F8. Uh, the F8 is hands down uh, one of the best fighters in this game. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I'm going to steal it for the first time. And I'm going to fly it around and probably record myself doing so. So stand by on my socials and you'll see it. <laughs> the Anvil Gladiator, the Hawk, the Hurricane, the Spartan, the Terrapin, and the Valkyrie. Valkyrie? Valkyrie? I don't know. Moving on. May 25th, May 26th. Uh, Tumbral Land Systems, uh, which is the tank and the Cyclones. And then you've got RSI. So you got your Aurora, the Constellations, the Lynx Rover, which we already talked about a couple minutes ago, the Mantis, the Scorpius, Scorpius Antares, and the Ursa Rover. And again, 
the Constellation Phoenix. This is the day. We'll go over the limited uh, ships in just a second. Origin Jump Works. Again, this is a military-only uh, expo. So it's just the Origin 125 Alpha and the Origin 325 Alpha. Consolidated Outland, uh, the Mustangs, right? Uh, Argo Astronautics, which is the MPUV. It is the personnel transporter. May 27th and May 28th. Okay. All right, so Drake. There is a lot of lore to get into with Drake. Um, they were obviously this very high-powered military vendor um, who needed to break away from that persona or that dogma, stigma, whatever you want to call it. And so they, they're offering civilian versions of each one of their military vehicles. So you have to remember with Drake, and some people don't like them because of this, but they're very minimal. Like if you look at the like the Cutlass, uh, it's not like the sexiest ship. You don't have the LED lights. You don't have, you know, beautiful flooring, like wood flooring to walk across. These are military vessels to go and get the mission accomplished. So when you go and you see Drake, keep that in mind. These are military vehicles that were just now converted to civilian versions. I've come around to Drake. I initially didn't like them, like the Corsair, uh, the Cutter, like, I don't know. Those didn't do it for me, mainly because they were so industrial or they were so, like, bare-boned. But the more I get into, like, the Caterpillar, the more I get into some of those um, very purposed or purposeful vehicles, I'm, I'm becoming more of a fan. So, quickly, Buccaneer, Caterpillar, Corsair, all the Cutlasses. The Cutter, Dragonfly Black, the Herald, and the Vulture, all Drakes. And then this, of course, will be the chance for you to get your your Carrick. And I, I'm not Carrick, good lord. Kraken. <laughs> the Kraken. Um, which, I don't know. I think that deserves its own podcast. But Star Jump is a YouTuber. We featured Star Jump earlier in one of the first episodes of our podcast. Um, he has an amazing YouTube video of the Kraken, and it shows both the Kraken and the privateer version of the Kraken. Uh, it, there is a lot to look forward to with the Kraken. It, it's, it's huge. It's purposeful. It's a capital ship. It's going to be your org ship, Right, it's going to be your ship that you're going to bring into like a new territory or into combat, but you're going to probably keep it behind enemy lines or not uh, behind friendly lines. Right, you're going to probably put your Idris and your Javelin up front, uh, but this is going to ride in the back. It's going to have all your other ships, your support. Uh, but again, it's a great like home base. Right, it's going to be self-sustained. The cargo is going to allow for it to pay for its upkeep. Um, it's going to be a very, very great capital ship. And so, those are the reasons why I am pursuing this in what we call the F5 war. Because what happens? What happens is all of us hopefuls will sit on the pledge store at like 11 a.m. Central. We'll sit on the pledge store, and once that time hits 11 o'clock, people are just tap in their F5 key and that's the refresh for those of you who don't know it's the refresh so it refreshes the URL or the website and it's this race to see who can get uh, you know these ships within like five seconds I think during IAE uh, yeah it was like IAE I tried to get the javelin 
and I think I hit F5 once and I saw it available, but the moment I hit add to cart, it was already sold out. So I don't know how this is gonna play out. <laughs> I do not expect to walk away with the Kraken. That's fine. I accept my, uh, I accept my path. The last two days, May 29th and May 30th, um, all vehicles are free to fly. So it's the last two days. Um, it's also the last two days of the free fly event for those newcomers. Uh, but everything that you've been able to test fly up to this point will be available for you to fly one last time. And again, the whole event ends on May 30th, which according to my trusty little calendar is Tuesday. So two weeks from now on Tuesday. So we just went through um, we just went through a lot in the last couple of minutes. Uh, and actually, before we move on, I want to make sure we cover the FAQ as promised. So let's actually go back to Invictus. Let's run through this real fast, and then we will get into uh, the lore conversation for this podcast. So Jake Acapella, shout out uh, yesterday sends this uh, FAQ uh, article on. Um, <clears throat> Spectrum. Good Lord. My mind just went blank on Spectrum. And so I'm just going to read this um, pretty much verbatim. Uh, this is important, right? So this FAQ is kind of hidden. It's not on like the main article on um, on Invictus launch week or fleet week. It's it's not it's not really uh, that upfront and visible. So I just want to make sure we do talk about it. Because again, I'm sure some of you that are listening or watching are curious about some of these things. So let's go to the article. Quote, Invictus Launch Week is almost upon us, and to help everyone get the most from the event, we want to answer a few common questions. Read on for everything you need to know about Invictus, including where to go and how to participate in the upcoming Free Fly event. What exactly is Invictus Launch Week? We're not covering it, because we did in the last couple episodes. <laughs> when is Invictus Launch Week? You already know that from what we just discussed. What time does the event start? Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast and you don't already know, I'm in Austin, Texas, so central time zone in the United States, which just so happens to be, lucky enough, happens to be where CIG uh, has a lot of their offices, so I'm blessed in that sense. Uh, so when I say 11 a.m. central time, you're going to see 9 a.m. Pacific and all the other conversions. So if it's important to you, I would go in and just convert everything I say to your appropriate time zone, but I've already done so for the central, so bear with me. But each day, so tomorrow on Friday, it, it all starts at 11 a.m. Central Time. And I say it all starts every day because each time that there is a refresh of a vendor or each time there is a uh, limited stock available ship that drops, it's going to be at that 11 a.m. Central Time frame. So Friday morning, 11 a.m. Central, that's when you can expect to see the MISC uh, and the Mirai ships drop into game, right? And then the doors, the elevator will be available to walk in. Boom. Where does the Invictus launch week take place? Where do I have to go? All right, so Area 18 on Art Corp. It's like the southeast part of Stanton, if you're looking at your star map. There is a video that Star Citizen released that shows you how to get to the convention center when you first log in from Area 18. And then yours truly did a nine minute video that I fast forwarded to 60 seconds <laughs> on how to get to it if, if you're coming from space. 
right? So once you land in the airport uh, or spaceport, how do you get to the convention? Which trains do you ride, etc.? So that is on my Twitter feed. So feel free to jump on, take a look at it for yourself. Also Instagram, also TikTok, which I'll end the show talking about that. But regardless, that's how you get to the convention center. Now that's all the way up until the Drake defense days. And so there's a different path to take. It's going to be in the spaceport, but instead of getting out of the elevators and going to the left, like towards the trains, you're actually going to be going to the right, which has its own, again, uh, its own, like its own convention center. So expect those last two days to change. So stand by there. Um, the javelin tour and actually i'll read this verbatim um i, I forgot that there's actually like a question or q a for the javelin tour so let me just read it directly how do i get to the javelin tour during invictus launch week you can take a tour um you can take a tour of an in-service javelin destroyer the uees warhammer as soon as you step on board you feel a history of this iconic behemoth the javelin moves through stanton so citizens around the system will get their chance to enjoy the tour Head to August Dunlow Spaceport in Orison, Everest Harbor above Hurston, Virginia Point above R-Corp, and Port Tressler above Microtech to join. To find out its current position, please see the info panels in one of the landing zones. So, correction, actually not Port Olisar in Crusader. So, a correction on what you heard from me a couple minutes ago. This is actually at Orison in the August um, the August Dunlow spaceport. Okay, where can I see the UEE fleet? Um, the Navy's most fearsome destroyers, corvettes, and carriers will make their way through Stanton in a fleet that's bigger and better than ever before. To find out the current position, please see the info panels on the landing screens or the landing zones. So again, um, reinforcing that anything that we talk about on this podcast is actually available in game on the signage which again i think is just amazing love it um how do i rent a ship in the expo center halls you'll find ships on displays from different manufacturers throughout the event uh if you see something you like to test fly walk up to it and press and hold the f key uh to open the inner thought menu so when you walk into the expo center it's the lobby you've got to go to an elevator and take the elevator to the appropriate floor and once you get out on the floor every ship will be physically in the expo center or in the room and you can actually walk on to each ship without having to rent it without having to check it out you just walk up onto the ship and tour it experience it open up doors get into the cockpit you obviously can't fly off with it but if you do decide that this is a ship that you want to rent, yeah, it's as simple as what you just heard. You walk up to it uh, almost as if you were opening up the garage or opening up the ramp to get onto the ship, and you'll see an option to rent. And then once you rent it, it'll be placed inside of your um, kiosk, right? Your fleet manager. So simply put. Um, how long are ships rented? Uh, yeah, you can rent ships as long as they are on display. Now, that's interesting to me because if I remember, if I remember last Invictus launch week, I think I had like ships that I rented for the entire event. So I don't want to confuse 
I don't want to confuse listeners. I don't want to confuse watchers. I just, I, I remember me having each ship available all, what, 10 days. But, quote, all manufacturers exhibit their ships for 48 hours. Once you've rented a ship or vehicle, it'll be available for 48 hours. So according to this article, only two days. All right, I want to fast forward down to the limited ships. So I think this is important. And again, on my social media, so Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, I placed this image for everybody's reference. So go there, bookmark it, save it. Um, But will there be quantity stock limited ships? Absolutely. Each stock limited ship is limited to one per account and will be available in three waves to cover as many global time zones as possible. Please note that depending on your time zone, wave two and three may occur the next calendar day. So for the days that you will hear me say in a couple of seconds, know that there are three waves, 11 a.m. Central, 7 p.m. Central, or 3 a.m. Central the next day. Okay, so for May 21st, you have the Aegis Idris and the Aegis Javelin. I will try again to get the <laughs> to, to get the Javelin. I will not kill myself to get it. Uh, it's not my top priority, but I will try again to get the Javelin. Idris, not so much. I, I, I'm less inclined on the Idris, but the Javelin, absolutely. May 25th, that's the RSI Constellation Phoenix which again, I'm, I'm blessed to already have. I, I was able to nail it, so boom, done. <laughs> I'm good there. And then the May 27th, so this is my day that I'll be probably at all three of these times, but May 27th, the Drake Kraken and the Drake Kraken Privateer. Cross your fingers. <laughs> Wish me luck. Uh, and that's it for the FAQ. So, Before we get into the lore, just quickly, um, I wanted to go over some polls that I asked the community, and this was actually two weeks ago, but I asked the community and I think kind of ties into Invictus and kind of what we're talking about currently. So two weeks ago when we first got the website, the Invictus2953.com, when we first got the website, I asked... Uh, actually, I stated that my wife is permitting me to get one of these capital ships. <laughs> and then I asked the community of the four, um, which one should I get? Now, that is also forgetting, because I, I put in the Bonnie Merchant Man. It's also forgetting that Invictus Launch Week is only military vehicles, so you're not going to be able to get the Bonnie Merchant Man. But I did ask. I asked about the Kraken, the Javelin, the Bonnie Merchant Man, and the Idris. And so out of 395 votes, pretty good turnout, 395 votes, 38.7% of you told me to get the Kraken. So it kind of affirms or validates the way I feel about that capital ship. So awesome. 26.3% of you said the Javelin. So again, aligns with my priorities. 21.5%. Uh, said the BMM or the Bonnie Merchant Man, and then 13.4% said the Idris. Now, I had a conversation with a friend on Twitter, and, and this is like where my mind goes. This is this is like this is how I think Star Citizen is going to become like the best game ever. It's like I'm imagining like five of us 
five of us friends, some with Krakens, Bonnie Merchantmans, some with Javelins, but just setting up shop like around the lakes in Microtech. Like I could, I could sit there for hours just existing in the game if it meant just kind of hanging out with the crew, right? The change of days. I would love to set up like a campfire. Like that's kind of where my mind is going is I don't even really care about the loops at that point. I just kind of want to hang out, walk around on my Kraken, right? Fly around the ships that I can store on my Kraken and then meet everybody else and play together, you know, throughout the day. But like that's that's where my mind goes with these capital ships. It's not even really playing, you know, these massive um, game loops that, that we're expecting to see. I see Star Citizen and I see just existing in this universe. So there you go. Upon hearing that the Kraken was like everybody's top pick for me, I then asked like which Kraken? Because there was a lot of discourse uh, within that vote or within the, the thread of like, well, is it base or is it privateer? I know that kind of changes the conversation. So I, I just straight up asked. All right. So everybody says the Kraken, which one? 68.7% said the base, 31.3% said the privateer. And the general response was it's not worth giving up the storage, right? So you're giving up, I mean, I think it's something like 20 2300 SCU, um, like it's like 3000 down to like 700, something like that by going into the private tier. And like, it's, it's really cool. Cause you can put like shops and each shop has its own storage underneath it. It's, it's a neat concept, but it's gonna be very hard for that to be profitable. But again, how cool would it be to set up like a, a mall essentially around like a lake in microtech and having your own business, you know, f- flourishing that's exciting to me but I will probably go for the base now according to star jump um, on that YouTube video I mentioned you will be able to, to transfer out or change between the base and the private tier but it'll take time and it'll be very expensive to do so in game so I'm not I haven't validated that I don't know where his sources are but I think that's an interesting concept to work through as well Last but not least, and then we have 14 minutes to go over the lore. Last but not least, the last poll, uh, when do you think 319 will drop? So this was asked on Monday. Again, Monday, the Insight Star Citizen comes out and says, hey, you might see 319 soon. And so I asked the poll. I was like, all right, so what does the community think? Right? Monday, Tuesday. Uh, I said Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then, and then I was kind of a smart ass. And I was like, pure chaos at Invictus which is really funny because that's what won. But I was trying to be funny. I was trying to like, you know, play with the whole sentiment. Uh, But that's actually what won. So out of 269 votes, 44.6% said, yeah, pure chaos during Invictus. I think we all kind of knew that wasn't going to happen, but just a funny response. 20.4% were correct and said Tuesday. 18.2% said Thursday and 16.7% said Wednesday. So just, again, interesting that the community knows, right? Like, I'm sure the Ad Invictus was humorous, and that's why we had a lot of people choose that. But the community was really good at calling out Tuesday. That's very interesting to me. I personally thought it was going to be Wednesday, because you would get the launch on Wednesday, the corrections on Thursday for Invictus to happen on Friday. So that's, that's, what, I, that's what I thought. So... Um, and we're, we're at 12 minutes. Like I said, this hour podcast is designed 
to be a shot glass of information, hopefully entertainment, hopefully a little bit of a deeper analysis than just reading this yourself. So let's get into the Lord deep dive in the next 12 minutes. I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Before we get into today's Lord deep dive, I wanted to bring everybody back an episode and kind of discuss where we were two episodes ago, what we discovered last week, and what we're getting into this week. So I've been very good and consistent at staying with the time capsules and ensuring that we knew the milestones on how we got from 2023 to 2953. But we did take a break last week in order to celebrate Invictus. And so if you're looking at my screen, this I've called it before, like my mastermind or my beautiful mind of, of Lord dates. And so what you'll see here, you know, obviously today's date, May 18th, and you have the calculation of the year. So these are like, you know, the years that I'm highlighting um, between today in real life and when these events took place. So in episode eight, we discussed all that was Invictus. So we went from the Tavaran War uh, the first of our in war that was basically started in 2541. Uh, but we saw that all the way through to the second Tavarin war. And we actually stopped at the Tavarin purge. And this was where uh, the Tavarin were kind of giving up their culture. It wasn't working for them. It wasn't amiable to the rest of the universe. And so they were voluntarily uh, severing connections with, with, again, their culture and their people. So between that conversation with Paul, Astro Historian, to today, there were a lot of events that took place. And so I want to make sure I kind of go back and fill in the gaps. And it all goes back to the massacre of Garen II which we started to discuss two weeks ago. And that's where we're gonna to start today. So the year's 2792, it's 769 years into the future. Article, Massacre of Garen II. In 2792, Imperador Linton Messer the 11th sold off the terraforming rights of Garen II to the Bright World's Terraforming Group, BWTG. One of the indigenous species, which had shown sentience and was known to both the BWTG and Linton Messer, was exterminated during the terraforming process. An anti-Messer revolutionary group called Tide obtained footage uh, documenting the atrocity and released it over Spectrum, interrupting broadcasts galaxy-wide. The vid sparked an outrage among the long-oppressed population of the United Empire of Earth. Subsequent riots and military action led to the end of the 246-year Messer dynasty. And that does correlate with the end uh, of of the Messer regime that we talked about again two weeks ago, right? So here, the tide rises. I'm highlighting it on my screen. 
So 2792, the actual time capsule was called the Tide Rises. It's terrorists and subjugators attack comm systems, create uprising against the Imperador. Right? So you might recall that from two episodes ago. The next couple of events are pure Invictus. So Massacre of Garen, you have a change of an Imperador. So that calls for a new set of recruits. So new recruits, new date. You'll see this tab um, when you first get into the Invictus platform on Area 18. But that 2794 tablet is one of the first dates. And after the fall, the Messers and Loyals uh, removed. There's a new influx of recruits needed, right? So the date of the Invictus changed, but it was this reigniting of Invictus in the need, right? You have the 999th Squadron that begins to perform at select Invictus ceremonies. You have an Invictus ceremony on Earth. Uh, this is 2862, so now we're getting like 70 years beyond. So Invictus on Earth, Imperator Gaetari Duomana attends the Invictus ceremony on Earth. So I'm just showing us moving the needle, right? But the next article we're gonna get into, we do need to know more about Corbin Salehi. So let's get into this and it'll start making sense for Archangel. To the article. Corbin Salehi, 2829 through 2922, was Imperador of the United Empire of Earth from 2871 to 2881. Elected on a platform that promised an open government and an end to corruption, Salehi authorized the declassification of thousands of records, supported advocacy investigations on government officials accused of misconduct, and widened the definition of a protected planet under the Fair Chance Act. His most long-lasting achievement was the foundation of Project Archangel, also known as Synthworld. After ending his term as Imperador, Salehi served as the director of the project. He died in 2922 due to complications from his artificial pancreas. Corbin Salehi kind of paves the way to Project Archangel in Synthworld and kind of brings us to this... I'm not going to say utopia, but this this like far-fetched, crazy idea of no longer terraforming planets and risking the, the, the genocide of species or the extermination of species. He wants to create a planet from scratch. And I'm kind of teasing the next article, but, but he wants to create a planet from scratch so we no longer are negatively impacting others, but building these these massive constructs and terraforming those constructs, putting oxidation in livable space, and then offering that technology to everybody. It's very visionary. He, he's, he's got the right idea. <laughs> he definitely has the right idea, but we can all predict what happens with such a, a far-fetched idea. It's gonna take a very long time for that to be successful or to come to fruition, if it does at all. Which brings us to Project Archangel. Article. 
Project Archangel is the official designation for a United Empire of Earth funded program to create an artificial planet. Commonly known as Synth World, the project was announced in 2872 during Corbin Salehi's tenure as Imperator as a way to move beyond the inherently destructive process of terraforming a planet. Popular at the time, it was considered the next step beyond the Fair Chance Act in protecting indigenous life while still allowing the UEE's expansion. The Cronus system was chosen for its soul-like star, that soul being like the Earth, the Earth galaxy, Milky Way galaxy, and lack of planets in the green band. The project has since come under fire by the public for the amount of funds poured into it with little apparent progress towards its goal. End article. So if you remember, the Fair Chance Act was was nothing more than a piece of paper saying, hey, we as humans promise to never to really to never be bad. <laughs> There's article after article after article within the Fair Chance Act that makes all these promises. You know, we're not going to terraform unless we really know what we're doing. And you know, there's all these guardrails and guidelines that we try to stay uh, stay within. But I think uh, Corbin Salehi recognizes that we're still humans and we're, we're going to have corporations and we're going to have um, human nature to go and do our own thing. And so this is his way of saying, look, let's just let's just remove that barrier or that potential from even happening ever again. So here is the next the Fair Chance Act 2.0. <laughs> right. And the Corona system is interesting because they had to find a system that was that was close to or are much like um, Earth or much like the soul system. Um, I think for me, I, th I think that's more so that they could expedite or that they could uh, transfer, you know, current standards or current knowledge um, in a more like easier way. It's easier to translate into like a, a same platform than completely going to a whole different, you know, place. Like I, I can imagine like Pyro, right? So gas planets, everything's on fire. I, I would imagine creating a planet <laughs> in Pyro would be quite difficult. Um, I say that like Stanton would be a decent system, I think. If you look at um, like R Corp seems to have um, a very Earth-like quality. Of course, Microtech has an Earth-like quality. Maybe Stanton was a good contender, but the Chrono system is what they chose uh, you know, to go forward with. And so let's read one more article about Synth World. This is specifically about Synth World and another take on it. And then we'll get into the actual time capsule uh, for 2872. Article Synth World. Synth World, or Kronos III, or Kronos III, <laughs> is an incomplete artificial planet located in the green band of the Kronos system. In 2872, Imperator Corbin Salehi announced a new scientific endeavor to construct a planet in the Kronos system as a way to move beyond the inherently destructive process of terraforming made unpopular at the time thanks to the massacre of Garen II. The project was designated Project Archangel, and construction began immediately. 
and this is why I chose to read this article, the proposed synth world would ultimately have a radius of about 7,500 kilometers, and is projected to have an Earth-like gravity upon its completion. However, its continued setbacks, no visible end date, and the many financial scandals that have stemmed from it have made Synthworld a point of contention among humans. So I thought it added just a little bit more color or more depth to Synthworld. I think the 7.5k kilometers is, it, it's pretty massive. <laughs> it's pretty massive. Um, but it's the, uh, it's the setbacks. It's the visible end date. It's the losing trust of the human spending all this money, you know, towards this product and not seeing it come to fruition. I, I just think that's a whole nother economic, environmental, cultural issue that Salehi was having to deal with. And it's going to be somebody else's problem in the next couple of years. We'll talk about that in the next couple episodes. But that'll bring us to the actual time capsule. So we're, we're finally, <coughs> excuse me, we're finally at the time capsule. There was only one time capsule in the 29th century, which is interesting to me. But 2872 time capsule, behold, Sisyphus. Which is funny because I had to like research how to say that because I did not want to screw that up. But that is Sisyphus. <laughs> time capsule, behold, Sisyphus. Published March 5th, 2872, quote, Synthworld, unquote, by Peter Marks. We are on the threshold of progress. That was the mood this morning at the Senate when the Imperator made the announcement. The government finally unveiled Project Archangel, whispers of which have been drifting around the news circuits for weeks. In short, Project Archangel is a UEE-led initiative to literally build a planet from scratch. Humanity has finally come up with a solution that avoids the complicated moral minefield of terraforming. No longer will we have to convert pre-existing planets, now we can build them. Though the technology is not completed, scientists believe they will be able to attempt building a prototype world within our lifetime. The implications of this achievement have reverberated through science, politics, and even social spheres. Xi'an Emperor, Emperor Cree even issued a statement, quote, it is very encouraging. My people will watch the project's development with great interest, unquote. If perfected, the synth world would help erase the shame humanity has had to carry after three centuries of unbridled imperialism. The Imperador finished his speech by inviting any and all scientists from the Banu or Xi'an to witness the development firsthand. Quote, We don't want to keep this technology. The ability to build worlds should be free to any and all cultures, so there will never be a need to fight over something as trivial as land ever again. End quote. And in transmission. So there will never be a need to fight over something as trivial as land ever again. I feel like those are famous last words. <laughs> uh, there's always a reason to go to war. There's always a reason to go to war. Not justified. I'm not hinting that, that there are always justifications. But somebody wants something from someone that they can't get through other means. 
So sure, you can build your own planets. It's not going to solve for the problem that is innately human. <laughs> uh, and that's where the 30th century comes in. So 2900 to 2953, which is what we're currently playing in game, is a very busy 50 years. It's a very busy 50 years. So in the 40s, we're going to see Squadron 42's story. Then, of course, in the 50s, we'll see uh, what happens afterwards and why we're playing uh, in Stanton at this current moment. So I cannot wait for that to happen. I cannot wait to go on that journey with y'all. Stay tuned. For all things lore, uh, please come back and see us. You've been listening to Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. Host Solace, it's always a blessing. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solace. Join our in-game organization, Soul Provision, by applying at www.robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash provision. You can get involved in the conversation with your questions, comments, or emotional outbursts by emailing us at starcitizenbtv at gmail.com. Watch us live on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central, at youtube.com forward slash at starcitizenbtv. And follow the conversation over at Twitter and Instagram, both at forward slash starcitizenbtv. Once again, thank you for joining us. We hope this finds you well. Until next time, safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse.